Good morning, church. Hey, guys, it's Ugly Christmas Sweater Sunday, so we sound excited. Good morning, church. All right, online, match it. Say good morning, everybody, online. Online host, go ahead and say good morning. They're there to talk to you and have a great time worshiping with you this morning. I see all the sweaters out there, and I absolutely love it. I see some classy ones. I see some really outlandish ones, which fits personality. I, I, I just see, I see some really good ones out there, all right? I want you to know there's a special prize for who I think has the best ugly sweater, and I'm, I'm gauging it right now. That special pride this morning is my personal gratitude. Thank you for taking part in doing this. I greatly appreciate it. We just want to make sure that one thing we are about here at Great Oaks, let's be honest, we like to have fun. Most importantly, we like to worship Jesus, but after that, we like to have fun, amen? amen. Yeah, that's right. So this morning, I'm continuing our sermon series. Big hand to uh, Chris Genders last week, did a great job kicking off our series, uh, stepping in for me as I was supposed to preach last week. But uh, as we've all learned in this time of COVID, that things change at a minute's notice. Uh, who's tired of it? Anybody? All right, yeah. Uh -huh. So as we continue this series this morning, I am hitting one of those iconic Christmas songs, and it's iconic because I think it's probably one of the hardest ones to sing. So we're hitting a part of the song, Oh Holy Night, this morning. You know that song. You know, the fall on your knees, the song that gets up into like falsetto range that no one could ever hit besides three people on earth and Mariah Carey, all right? So... Yeah, that's the song we're talking about this morning. I'm not going to try to bless it with my singing ability this morning, all right? Uh, I, I think next week is uh, we hit a song. I think maybe our preacher next week will go ahead and sing a little bit. Just encourage him to do so when he's on stage. I won't let you know who that is yet. <clears throat> but I think it would be great. So this morning we're hitting Oh Holy Night. And with hitting that song, it reminds me of one of my favorite Christmas movies. And actually... It is the first movie that I saw in theater, so I'm going to date myself just a little bit here, and it is Home Alone. Anybody else seen Home Alone? Everybody, who loves it? I mean, that's a great, great movie. I know, right? So uh, as you, in this movie, all of a sudden there's this church scene, and then you hear this heavenly choir sing a holy night. And so this morning, that's what we're going to hit. So as we do that this morning, let's go ahead and go to prayer. Bow with me. Dear Father God, we are just so thankful we can gather here in your house this morning and online. God, as we come to this time of the message, as Pastor Nate prayed, I pray that it be your words and not mine. For my words are foolish and yours are wise, God. God, as we dive into the word and truly worship into the message this morning, we ask that we take something from it. As we dive into the story about the birth of Jesus Christ, which is so impactful. We ask you to bless our time together. Praise on your name. Amen. So as I said, we're, we're talking about the song, O Holy Night. And I, I've chosen two lines out of verse one that I really want us to try to grasp this morning. And those two lines are this. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. All right? So those are the two songs, two lines of that song we're going to hit all morning long and just unpack so let's go ahead and dive into text online. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. So go ahead and flip there, or you can follow along on the YouVersion app. And Matthew chapter 1, we're going to talk about the, the story of the birth of Christ from Matthew's perspective as the gospel writer of Matthew. So starting in verse 18, it says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph... 
Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So let's go ahead and start unpacking that just a little bit this morning. The first thing I want to say is this. As you start to read those first two verses, when his mother Mary had been, betr- when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child. If you stop there, it's kind of like a bad reality TV show. All of a sudden, so they're betrothed to be married. And to talk about what betrothal is, a lot of people say it's kind of like engagement. But guys, in the first century, betrothal was a little bit more serious than engagement today. To be betrothed, that means either you guys had made that decision or your families had made that decision for you. Gifts had already been exchanged. And for all intents and purposes, marriage was on the table. And that's what was happening, period. That's what was going to happen. There was no exit from betrothal unless something happened. And this is one of those cases where she got pregnant with a child. And guys, this is so serious to let you know that Deuteronomy tells us that during betrothal or marriage, if something inappropriate like that happens, stoning is what was to happen from Deuteronomy's perspective. So this is intense. And as we talk about this, you need to know this is what's going on in the first century with Mary and Joseph. Everybody knows this, but to really grasp this, understand that she is 13 to 15 years old, roughly, all right? I don't know the exact age, but that's where most scholars would put her, all right? Front row, you paying attention? 13 to 15, all right? Getting married at 13 to 15. Who in here as parents would be like, yes, my daughter can get married at between the ages of 13 and 15? Who's on board with that? Anybody? All right, good. I was, I was waiting for some really awful dad to raise his hand and I was going to scold you, but that's okay. All right. So this is what's going on. She's 13 to 15. Joseph's probably a little bit older. But we look at that and like, man, that's so weird. But church, that's just not our culture. That's not our culture. So don't judge that. That's just where the culture's at at the time. In fact, to our average age for marriage in the U.S. is like 29 or 30, I believe. To wait that long in Jewish culture, you were seen as a social pariah and something was wrong with you. All right, so it's like if you were that single at that age in Jewish culture in the first century, it was nope, nobody wanted to be with you. All right, so here's what's going on. Here's some context for you. And all of a sudden, she gets pregnant. And then you see Joseph's character. Joseph decided that, you know what, I'm going to divorce her quietly. Don't want anything to happen to her. I don't want her to be punished, disciplined. I'm going to just let this go privately. No one needs to know. And then all of a sudden, an angel appears to him in a dream and says no. And all of a sudden, we, we as our, our you know, 21st century Christians are like, oh, that's super weird. Church, to understand this, that God spoke in dreams a lot, all right? In fact, most Jewish priests back in the first century, they would tell you, if you haven't really had a good dream in like two weeks that you remembered and recalled, you're probably not doing something right. All right, so this is what happened. Joseph came to this knowledge in a dream. And then here's a verse I want to point out this morning. Verse 21, she will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. 
And in that, verse, that first line of the lyrics that we're talking about from this song, O Holy Night, long lay the world in sin and error pining. What, what does that mean? The world was in trouble. The world was lost. Yes, they still had connection to God, but this what's about to happen is so much greater. And, and to us, as a Christian reader reading this story, We'd be like, man, this is awesome. This is the part where Jesus comes on the scene. But understand something. The Jewish audience in the first century would have saw this and not had the same impression that we do. They would have saw this and been like, yep, more practical, more political. We need this earthly king. At this time, Rome is oppressing them. They're occupied by Rome. And they know this from all their verbal history that they've been told orally. It's this. Somebody will occupy us, we'll be disciplined, we, we will face persecution, and God will send someone to rescue us. In fact, a lot of people in that culture, they, they, were know, they knew the Messiah was to come at some point. And then we have this dream that Joseph gets that you're going to name him Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. Sidebar. I... I I get this question a lot when we talk about Jewish culture and people say, man, how do people miss it that this is Jesus? How do people miss it that this was Jesus? Church, let me tell you something. There wasn't only one person ever named Jesus. All right, for some reason we think, oh, when we talk about Jesus, only one dude that ever walked the earth was named Jesus. Not true. Even not true today. Just say it. Actually, in the first century in Jewish culture, Jesus was somewhat of a common name. And actually, maybe some of the expectant mothers were like, hey, I want to bear the Savior, so I will name my son Jesus. But that was common. But this Jesus, so much more and so much greater. Actually, Isaiah prophesied it this way in Isaiah chapter 7. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call him his name Emmanuel. Isaiah seven fourteen. Do you understand that Isaiah prophesied this roughly 700 years before Jesus' birth and that's right here in the first century? 700 years before. Something that frustrates me a lot is when people say, oh, the Old Testament's not important. The prophets aren't important. You know what's great about the prophets? You get to see the power of God fulfilled in the New Testament. Because 700 years before, God had gave the message that this is going to change. I'm going to change the world. Not only about the birth, but we also have prophecy about the crucifixion, about the resurrection, about so much more. And you see it being penned right here in the books of Matthew and Luke. It's actually happening how it was said in Isaiah and Malachi. The Lord will give you a sign and behold from the virgin, you shall conceive and bear a son and you shall call him Emmanuel. He is going to save people from their sins. When we look back at that, that verse from a holy night, long lay the world in sin and error pining. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. When we hear that first line, church, let's be honest. We have a struggle in culture today. This was happening in the first century. People were struggling with the Roman occupation. They were struggling with sinful living. But guys, we struggle with sinful living too. We have a lot going on in our world. We might feel like, hey, we, we are sitting here and we need something. 
Let's be honest, like we also have, we got COVID going on, all right? We got, we got a politi- political climate going on. Let's not even go down that road, but we have this. We have turmoil, dissension, disunity. And we're sitting here and going, where's the hope? Where's the good news? Where's the message? And what's bad about this is this comes at a time when we should know better. This is Christmas. You might be going, oh, say, Chase, this, what are you talking about? Christmas trees and presents? No, like for, for us being the church, there are two times a year, sadly, that we really should really remember how much grace and hope that we have from God. And this is one of them. And when we remember the birth of Christ, if you really want to remember how powerful it is, yes, it's a miracle in itself, miraculous conception, it's a miracle in itself, but if you remember the cross on the horizon as we walk through Christmas, man, it's powerful. Because this infant boy that's going to be born is going to take it all to the tree for us. Because long lay us in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. I'm going to spend most of this morning on that second line because I think it's a message we need to hear. It's a message I probably need to hear. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. I want to ask a very basic question this morning. Basic. What do you feel you're worth? What do you feel you are worth? What do you feel you're worth? It's a question a lot of us struggle with. It's a question that we have probably struggled with sometime in our life. A lot of us struggle with it as teens or in college. We struggle with, you know what, am I valued? Am I loved? Am I actually worthy of anything? We struggle with this. So much so that we have counselors that specialize in just self-worth issues. What do you feel you're worth? Why is this an important message to give? And you might be like, Chase, this is supposed to be a Christmas series. You're making this sound depressing. Well, let's be honest. Maybe some of us in here are struggling with it. Because it's supposed to be a time of the year, yeah, when joyousness is supposed to happen and happiness is supposed to reign. But let's be honest. How many of you in here have said this statement? Because I've said it. How many have said it? If we can just get through Christmas. Who said it? Anybody? Let's be honest. Online, who said it? If I can just get through Christmas, if I can just get through the fact that we got to figure out how to buy these presents, if I can just figure out how we can catch up on these bills because COVID has completely financially wrecked us, if I can just get through seeing the in-laws one more time, amen? (laughs) Just kidding. All right. Um, (laughs) If we can just get through all the meals, if I can just get through one more time of spending all this time with people and trying to pretend I'm happy all the time, Guys, how miserable does that sound? And it sounds miserable because I think this first question I'm asking is, when we talk about what do I feel I'm worth, there's a struggle there. Because we've lost focus on the real priority. 1 John chapter 4 tells us this in verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Can we talk about how awesome that message is in just that one verse? In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. 
First thing, basics, is that word love in the Greek, it's actually agape. So we have so many words for love, but that's agape. It's unconditional. For God loved us unconditionally. And he made manifest among us that God sent his only son. I think we have a, a paradox here, and it's this. I think God sees our worth more than we do. Seriously, I think God sees our worth more than we do. Now, let me backtrack a little bit just on basics. When we talk about this Christmas story, and as we, we talk about these songs of Christmas, and we talk about the birth of Christ, do we realize that Mary, mother of Jesus, probably had the same worries and thoughts that we do? As she comes and she's conceived Jesus, everybody just assumes, man, this happened and Mary was good to go. We, are we really that naive to think that she didn't struggle too? Are we really that naive to think that her and Joseph probably didn't have some serious conversations? Like, man, people are going to look at us super weird. People are going to look at us and judge so hard. Yeah, of course it's going to happen. Church, it happens to us too. The question is, do you remember what's most important? What are your worth? What are you worth? Because obviously God finds us worthy of something. And how I know that is this. We have the promise that's being panned out right here in Matthew 1 and Luke 2 and John 1. We see it being panned out. That God finds us worthy because he sends his son. And I want to talk about that verse for a second in 1 John. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. I want you to know what's not in that verse. What's not in that verse is that God has made manifest among us that God sent his only son only if we go to church or if we do this or if we live a healthy life or if I'm the best father or if I'm the best mother or if I'm the best child. God will do this as long as I'm this. That is nowhere in scripture. Because you want to know why it's nowhere in scripture? Because we need to know that we are all loved and accepted just as we are. Do you understand that? Do I understand that? That this time of year, this Christmas season, is the miraculous gift of Christ because God finds us worthy of this. Not that we did something worthy, but that he loves us. Do we know that we are loved and accepted just as we are? Do we know that? So you know what? I'm going to take a second because maybe somebody out here is struggling today. Maybe you're struggling throughout this month. Maybe you remember people that you've lost in family. I get that. That's hard. Grief is hard. So I want to take a, a second, and I want to go super practical. Online, I want you to do it too. You can put it in the chat, or you can text somebody, or you can talk to the person on the couch next to you. But I want you to do this. I want you to turn next to the person. If you're not sitting next to one, turn around, yell it at somebody. And I want you just to say this. God loves you. Do it now. All right. Oh. Yeah. Now, I, I want to take a second, and I want to talk about something I heard. I, I hear some people saying, hey, you know what? God loves you, and they're excited about it. But let's be honest, I also hear this, and, you know, and I, I did this when I was in student ministry years ago. I hear people, you know, God loves you. God loves you. And you're like, Chase, I get it. You know, it's basics. It's like kids town, all right? God loves us. 
And, and, but guys, there's a reason why we have scripture that says sometimes we need to have a faith like a child. Because maybe you've been a seasoned Christian for 40 years, but if you can't be excited about the fact that God loves us, we probably should do a heart check. If we can't get excited that God loves the person next to us, especially if that's your spouse, we should probably do a heart check. Because I get it, December is rough. December is hard. And you might say, Chase, it's Christmas, how can it be hard? Guys, you understand that people that struggle with anxiety and depression, December to February, those are the hardest months. Well, people ask, why is that? It's because all of the pressure, all the expectations that overwhelm people. In the holidays, the winter, you wake up and it's frosted and it's kind of depressing. And you're like, let's go back to the beach. This is the time people struggle. And then all of a sudden, February, you're like, well, why is February a struggle? Well, you got Valentine's Day and you got the Christmas card, Christmas credit card bills coming in from December. And, and people struggle. So yeah, we, I think in this Christmas season, as we talk about the pending birth of Christ, we do need this message of self-worth. Because we are worthy. Going back to Matthew chapter 1, that verse 21. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. For he will save his people from their sins. I want to hit a word there. I know I have half of it highlighted, but I want to hit one word. His, his, right? So we focus on his, his people. We could get into some theological debate right now, but oh, is, is the writer, is Matthew talking about the Jewish people? Because Matthew would have been a, an avid Jewish person. Who, who's, who is his people? Ready? Basic level, guys. His people, his creation. It is you. It is I. We are God's people. It's not some theologically watered down thing of like, oh no, only people that will come to know Christ and only God knows that, only the predestined are his people. No, no, everyone is God's people. Whether you choose or not to accept that, that's on us. Because God saw what was going on. If I could put on my God sandals for a second, which is super scary, and I don't want to be heretical, I'm not going to try to be heretical, but when you look at the Old Testament and you see from a 10,000 foot view of how everything was panning out, and you see God's heart through the text of his people fall away and he sends judgment and he sends discipline and he sees them repent and come back to him, and you see the sacrificial system be installed saying, hey, here's how you have redemption and then you see the failure and the come back to God moment. The failure, God delivers in the come back to moment. And finally you have the prophets prophesying from a message of God saying, I'm sending you someone to end this. And it's Jesus. Guys, that is this message. That is this message from the gospel writers. That Jesus comes on the scene and we have constant salvation if we want it. And looking back at the oh, Holy Night lyrics, you know, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. When we see that, when we see that text, we look at it sometimes and say, you know what? I don't think I'm that bad of a person. I don't, I don't think I'm that off. Or maybe you're saying, Joe Chase, I am. I don't think God does love me. I don't think God does want me. 
I want to go back to the, the movie illustration that I was talking about earlier because Home Alone is a phenomenal movie. Let's talk about that for a second. Because the great thing about Home Alone is, you know, Kevin's in this massive family, all right? I mean, massive family, uh, super nice house, but massive family, and just doesn't feel like he gets his due, and he doesn't feel like he's appreciated, he doesn't feel like he's worthy, and he said, I just, you know what, I just wish all this didn't happen. I just wish you guys weren't even around. And then all of a sudden, you guys know how it goes, the next morning, somehow they got 13 kids in the car, and they left the airport and left one behind, all right? And then all of a sudden, freedom sets in over him. Well, I can do whatever I want. But I want to tell you something, it's false freedom. But he, I can do whatever I want. And there's a scene where he's in the den or in the living room, and he's sitting on the couch, and he has like these 13 scoops of ice cream mounted up, caramel sauce, chocolate drizzle, you know, popcorn, whipped cream, sprinkles. It's probably like the most magical thing ever, all right? I'm just saying. That's why the coat doesn't fit. All right. And it's great. And as he's sitting there on the couch, he puts in this movie that, like, he knows he shouldn't be watching. And he's like, hey, guys, I'm eating trash and watching rubbish. You better come out and stop me. Or even the better moment, he needs some money. So he goes to his older brother's room. I'm going through your stuff. You better come out and pound me. But as this movie goes on, and as we have the awesome comic relief that is the, 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 the break-in artists, which are, who are awesome, as we have all that, you see that he starts to miss something. You see that he starts to yearn for something. And church, there's a message from that movie that even we can get. You're not meant to do this alone. I'm not meant to do this alone. I'm not meant to walk through life alone. And you're like saying, yeah, you know what? We need to have friends and companions. No, what I'm saying is this. Yeah, you think you have freedom, but you're miserable without knowing God. And what God has done with this miraculous story that we have in Matthew 1 and Luke 2, and we have the foretelling of Jesus coming, and we, we're talking about that as we lead up to Christmas Eve and Christmas Sunday. What you have is this, is you have God saying, I find you worthy. I love you. I'm sending you my son so you don't have to be alone. And church, you don't have to do anything for him to do that. Now, don't hear what I'm not preaching. That doesn't mean once you know what that means that there's not some things that come along with it. Because as we come to know God, as we come to know Christ, we're gonna wanna change. We're gonna wanna be a little bit different. We're going to want to live that holy life. And in fact, we're going to want to be happy and just show it to everybody around us. So what do you feel you're worth? Do you feel like God truly values you? Do you understand that you are loved and accepted just as you are? And last thing I want to ask you is this. What is the greatest gift you've ever received? So let's go shallow for a second. Think about that for a second. What is the greatest gift you have ever received? Could be Christmas, could be anything. So think about that for a second. Online, you can type it in the comments. What is the greatest gift you've ever received? Think about it. I'm sure I got some young people in here being like, man, it's my Xbox. All right? Or my PlayStation guy. What's my new Apple phone? It's the greatest gift you've ever received. Yeah, love. Okay, good. Let me tell you shallowly what mine was when I was a kid, all right? So I lived on a farm as a kid, and when I was young, probably too young to have it, 
Who's seen the awesome classic Christmas movie, A Christmas Story? It's one of my faves, too. So, yeah, when I was a young kid, I got the Red Rider, Red Rider pump action, lever action BB gun. Greatest thing ever, all right? Uh, and I'll be honest, I probably got it around age five or six. I know, right? My parents were sketchy. All right? Just kidding, Mom. All right? And so I had this at probably age five or six, and greatest thing ever. Went out, shot some cans, had a great time with it. I won't say if I shot animals or not because that's not appropriate for the sermon. Anyway. So as I had this awesome BB gun, had a great time with it. I'm also the youngest sibling, all right? So I'm the youngest by seven years. Who feels my pain? Amen, all right? And living on a farm, we had great, awesome vehicles. We had, you know, an ATV. Uh, at one point, we had a three-wheeler, which was awesome. But one day, I just really wanted to ride the, the four-wheeler all day long. But I had this, you know, jerk of an older brother who wouldn't let me do it. Um, and I was so mad. So he came at me one day, he was driving fast in the four-wheeler, pretending to hit me and swerved around like brothers do. Well, I happened to have my BB gun on me, and I'm like, you know what, enough of this stuff. Pump that thing up, and of course, at this point, you know, I was taught gun safety very early on, and I knew better. Took aim and never was gonna hit this, but you know, shot at him, he knew it happened. So then the classic thing happens afterwards. He knew something bad, horrific happened, so therefore he blackmailed me for a couple days for silence. And then my parents found out, you know, that you have mom that was disappointed. And then you had the angry parent, <laughs> okay? And that was awful. I remember being disciplined for that, probably the worst discipline I ever got in my whole childhood. And you're like, why do you tell this story? And it's simple. The greatest gift we've ever received is the grace of Jesus Christ. There's not a believer out there that can say there's a gift that's better than that. Hands down. But just because it's a gift doesn't mean there's not responsibility with it. Yeah, it's free. Yeah, God did it because he found us worthy and he loved us. But when we take that gift, we gotta know that with that gift comes responsibility. And responsibility is this. Are you willing to show people Christ? Are you willing to show that you are loved? And I'm not saying go out and be like, hey, Jesus loved me. I'm not saying do that. I'm not saying be that cheesy person, all right? Because I'm not that cheesy person, no matter what that jacket tells me, all right? But no, I'm serious. Go out and show some excitement and happiness that this is the time of year that God loved us and sent his son. So church, here's your mission from Pastor Chase this morning. This is your mission. Find the joyousness that is in Christmas and show it. Find the joyousness that is in Christmas and show it. Because the one thing that I want you to walk away from here knowing is that you are worthy because our worth comes from God. And I know from scripture that he finds us worthy. Are you willing to show people that message? Are you willing to show that we have this happiness and this yearning that they might be missing because they're still stuck in sin and error pining? You know that Christ has appeared and he lives inside you, and you want people to see that. That's the message of Christmas. Yeah, it's the message of grace. Yeah, it's the message of worth. But man, what a time to hear that message. Then a time where we feel just consumed by culture. A time where we feel consumed by life. No one past the age of 22 has probably ever said, December is my favorite month of the year. I'm serious. Unless you got married in December, we're not gonna make fun of you people, all right? But like, seriously, 
because it's, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of, it's a lot of expectations we put on ourselves. It's a lot of grief sometimes because we're meeting without certain family members. We got COVID going on this year. We got a lot of stuff happening. But church, do you know that you still have something to be joyous about? We have the Son of God that came for us because he finds us worthy. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, God, we are just so glad we could gather here. God, as we come this time, we're gonna worship one more time and just go out these doors. May we go out and show people with our interactions that we have hope, that we have been found dearly loved by God and that you sent us your son that was prophesied about for hundreds of years that came true because you are true to your word, that you truly loved us and you found us in need and sin and error pining and you sent us the savior that we did not deserve, but you sent him anyway. God, we are in awe of who you are and we are blessed to call ourselves your people. We pray this in your name, amen.